0: Well, good morning, everybody. Um, Good to see you today. And uh, once again, you are strong because, you know, as we all say, it is no joke out there. And how many of you actually had uh, your work canceled or you were able to work remotely this week because of the snowstorm? Yeah, like half the people, right? So, and that's in Chicago. So (laughs) it is no joke out there. And so we commend you for coming to worship God um, with us together today. Um, Everything has a beginning. And I, I don't know about you, but I often uh, think back to the time that I originally met the Lord, uh, where I did not know Jesus. Um, I was growing up outside of the church. I was growing up uh, without him. And uh, it was actually, thankfully, in, a, in college, as a college student, that where many people were going the opposite direction, Jesus drew me to himself. And um, I remember that time distinctly. I remember it fondly. I remember it uh, radically changing my life. How many people remember when you actually really, even if you grew up in church, really met Jesus for the first time? Okay, and it was life-transforming. And so, um, the exciting thing was is that once I met Jesus, it was I was not left on my own. But as we always preach about here, it's about Christ, then community. And the, there was a person on the college campus who was actually a campus minister at the time who actually helped disciple me, help mentor me, help get me out of my mess. <laughs> and I was in a whole lot of mess. And um, he really became like a father in the Lord to me and really um, helped me to learn how to walk this new life out in Jesus, even how to be a church person that, I mean, how many people know that that's just different, you know, when you're learning the rhythms of what it means to be part of a church community. And so um, today I am super privileged because the guy who actually did this for me, the guy who actually mentored me when I was a college student, the guy who was actually helped discipling me, you know, I mean? Whenever I was... Starting my walk with God is here today, and he's going to be able to preach to us today. So, if you could, could you please give a warm welcome to Pastor Morgan Bates? Still love me afterwards if he tells some stories that just don't look okay. right. <laughs>
1: Good to see you. So, thank you so much, Roland, for the warm introduction. Hello, everybody. How are you? Good. I feel like I'm loud. Am I too loud? It's good? Good to be loud? Oh gosh, I remember those days too. (laughs) They were really good days and um, I was trying to think of which stories I was going to tell. Up here, looks like we got a buffet in my mind right now. (laughs) B is not here and so (laughs) it's the boys. No, wait. No, no, no. All right. So let me stay focused. No, I cannot say how, how proud I am of Pastor Rollin for everything that God has done through his life in this church and with all of you and his family. Um, knowing on the inside when we were in North Carolina that God wanted him to come to Chicago. And he was praying about that for many, many years and trying to figure it out. Um, You may have figured out by now, if you are a Christian, that a lot of the things that you pray about, they don't always happen right away. Sometimes it takes a while. Have you guys had that happen to you yet? Okay, and then so a lot of times the more significant the thing is that you ask a lot of times the longer it takes, not necessarily bigger or bet the more significant, and this is a significant thing that's happened that you've come here and done, so I'm so proud of you and, and so glad to be here. I'm sorry it took me so long <laughs> to get here. Um, my name is Morgan, and I, I have a wife, and her name is Loretta, and uh, I have two kids, Logan and Kendall, and they are 16 and 12, and so we live in North Carolina And uh, we've lived there for many years and then we traveled and I pastored churches in different places and did missionary work and consulting work for the church and all of that and then came back to North Carolina. We've been there for almost seven years again since we came back. And so... um, they say hello. My family says hello. They couldn't be here uh, this time. They they really wanted to come. My wife found out it was snowing. She was here, but then she had to take off, and and we left our kids, and they found out it was snowing. They said, we should have gone. We wanted to go because it was snowing, and so I'm like, ah, childhood bliss. (laughs) You know, my daughter comes out in those, like, little furry house shoes. She's like, let's go. We're going to Chicago. I'm like, you're not going anywhere in that, (laughs) so Anyway, it's really a a thrill and a privilege to be here, and what Pastor Rollin was saying is so true. Um, What happened, what God did with him and a number of other uh, college students was really unique. My wife was actually in the same class with him, uh, along with a number of other guys and girls, some of you you've probably met because they've been here before, but I remember doing something, I remember praying for uh, a a class of students that was going to come in, and God was telling me when I was praying, this next class is really going to be significant, that you're going to connect with them in, in an amazing way. And they're going to be significant and great things are going to happen because we've been praying over our campuses for many years for good things to happen. Now, I had no idea I'd end up having best friends and that my wife would actually be a part of that group or anything else. But I just remember being frustrated and tired and praying the same prayers over and over again. And God saying, no, this time is going to be different. So keep on praying. And it was probably two or three months later when I met all of these guys and they started to come to the Lord and, and then really get rewired in him that I was so excited. And so that's just an encouragement for you that whatever is happening in your life right now, whatever you're praying for and hoping for, uh, don't stop. Continue to pray. God hears prayers and he answers prayer. Um, the answer of a prayer is not a difficult thing for God. Do you understand that? But making you who you need to be when the answer comes is more challenging for him because he's given us free will. And so we can actually say yes or no to God. Do you realize that? Um, we do not believe in this cosmic sort of, you know, God who is detached from creation and violates people's will all the time. Uh, Uh-uh. We don't believe in that. God has given us a gift of free will, and he decided to limit himself in that. He's given us a choice, and he says, you can choose. Here's good, here's life, here's amazing blessing, here's death. It doesn't look like it. It's disguised. It looks like candy right now. You think it's amazing, but it's actually death. And if you keep doing that, it's going to take you down the wrong path. So I'm giving you a choice. You can choose either one of them that you want, but I'm telling you, choose this side. And that's our God. And so when we go his way, things begin to take a whole new light. If we don't, he's very patient with us. And he keeps back, coming back, he keeps coming back, he keeps coming back in hopes that we'll change our mind. And so I'm so glad that we serve a God like that. If we didn't, he never would have gotten a hold of me. I can tell you that. He never would have gotten a hold of Raleigh. Um, I did not believe and still don't believe in anything that's fake Anything that is uh, not real and authentic. And so I had a hard time with Christians before I became a Christian because all of them seemed fake to me. I'll get to that later. It seemed like there was a lot of fluff going on. You know what I'm saying? No substance. It just seemed like, you know, I, I, people, they were always looking up. And I was like, what are they looking at? I don't see anything, you know? I would go to these meetings and I, I kind of grew up going to church. And so I understood kind of like what people did in church, but I never understood what why and it bothered me and so I always thought whatever you are or whatever you want to be make it plain and so I'm going to talk a little bit today about identity I'm going to talk about our identity our identity in Christ our identity before Christ and um, why I think that's important but you know I can always tell what people want me to think of them for the most part I can tell what they want to be identified with Uh, I'm a people watcher, and I go to, you know, airports, I travel a lot, and I'm in malls all the time, and airports, and sporting events, and restaurants, and you can usually always tell how people want to be identified, and how is it? How can you tell? Thank you. Who said it? All right, go ahead and claim it. You don't have to be humble. You said it. Go ahead and raise your hand. You can tell by what they wear, They are communicating to you all the time what they think about themselves and how they want you to think of them about what they wear. And so just in case you get you're a nervous or shy type person, um, here's a tip. You can always make friends by talking to people about what they have on. You know why? Because they're advertising it. They're telling you, I want you to notice this about me, right? Hello, hello, hello hello. If you don't answer or laugh or anything else, I just think I'm too quiet and I just get louder. And trust me, you don't want that. Um, So yeah, they're communicating something. And whether it's, you know, here's the university I went to and it's, you know, splashed on their shirt. Okay, somebody's pointing, right? Or whether it's a hat, you know, that says, I saw somebody wearing a hat that said rebel. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. So I went up to him. I said, let me ask you something. I said, what are you rebelling against? And he was like, Nothing, man. What? What? What do you mean? And I said, Well, you're rebelling against something. I just know it. And he was like well, and I said, wait, wait, before you start telling me a story about your family or any of that stuff, like, I'm trying to keep it light. I'm going to minister to you, but I, I'm just, it's just your hat, man. You're telling me right now that you're a rebel. What are you rebelling against? And he was like, oh, oh ha, ha, it's my hat, you know, and we talked for a minute, then we actually got to say, okay, so now what's going on in your heart? You know, so we got to that, but people are always communicating to you. They're always saying, you know, uh, husbands and wives, you know, whether it's uh, out of love or out of sarcasm, you know, the shirt's, I'm with stupid, you know? I'm with ugly and I'm like, "Wow, that's a confession." I don't know if I would wear that, you know, uh, uh, uh pointing to my spouse. That's not good. But whether it's on a hat, it can be on shoes. People wear tattoos, right, because they want to say something. Maybe they're saying, I miss my mother who passed away. Maybe they're saying, there's a verse of scripture that inspires me. Maybe they're saying, you know, you got to hustle, you got to grind. Hashtag Chicago. You know, I don't know what kind of um, tattoos people wear or put on. But the point is that there is a message that people are trying to convey and you can always tell. Now, it's not just what they wear, it's how they wear it, you know. I, I, you know, after being on a college campus for many years and you know now out in the community for many years i I, I have so many guys you know and girls and 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 it 's not only what they wear but how they wear it. you know they wear clothes sometimes and it's just skin tight you know, and the guys and the, the bigger the muscles they have sometimes, the tighter the shirt and I say, "Man, can you breathe? You know what 's going on and that same guy i'm old, i 'm I'm old enough now to have watched this thing progress you know and the same young ladies who have on the tightest thing you've ever seen I'm, I'm old enough to have watched them get older and now the same people who used to wear super duper tight stuff are wearing super duper loose stuff right because they were communicating look at this when they were younger but now they're saying don't look at anything now that they're older because things change and gravity happens and god is good but um beyond all of that people are always trying to say something through what they say, through how they act, Um, because they're trying to say, I identify with something, right? I had a friend when I was growing up, and uh, we went to school together. It was a nice school, and they taught us to speak well and all of that kind of stuff, but when we came home, he was hanging out with a crowd of people, and they were just basically thugs, for lack of a better word. You know, and I would watch him. We'd come home, and he'd get ready to change clothes and go hang out with them. And he'd get ready to go hang out with them. Here's what he would do. He would put on a different hat, turn it around to the back. He would take his pants, undo the belt buckle, sag it down a little bit, you know, and he would, like, put on a different coat that was way too big for him, and he started walking different walking different, when he's hanging out with those guys. And I say, hey, man, why are you doing it? He said, hey, what, what you mean? And I was like, why are you talking different now? Wait a minute, you've changed clothes, you've changed the way you walk, you've changed the way you act, and now you're talking different. I mean, you've acquired a limp. All of this has happened in like the last 15 minutes. Why? Because he was trying to fit in with a group of people. Because he identified with them. And people are showing you how they see themselves. And how they want other people to see them. Even if what they're portraying is not who they really are. Just like my friend. People base their identity in concepts and causes for many reasons. Safety. um, Opportunity. Love. Um... I can't tell you how many people I know who moved from one place to another because of love, and then, you know, love grew cold, or love ran out, or whatever song you want to choose, you know, lots of things happen to love, and that person is now in a new place without the person they moved there for, and so that happens. They people do uh, have have their identity in, and then they have their identity in revenge. You know, I'm going to be tough. They have their identity in, in belonging, um, sometimes in money, sometimes in recognition. So. There are so many different things. And me personally, I've had my identity in many things before, whether it's girls or sports teams or, you know, uh, I was a part of this thing, this million-man march in D.C., you know, and and I wasn't even mad. I wasn't angry about anything, but everybody else seemed to be angry. So I decided I need to put on a mean face and just walk with them too. And I was just hoping nobody would ask me a serious question like, what are you doing here? And I'd be like, I don't know. I give up. I'm an imposter. I don't know. I'm just here because I'm black. and there's a million people I don't know (laughs) I've had an identity with girls before you know I love you no I love you no I love you no I love you and 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 there was so much love going back and forth and flowing on the phone and all of that lasted for about two or three weeks and then after that She was telling somebody else, I love you, no, I love you, (laughs) I love you. And I was like, but what about me? I thought we had something. And she was like, yeah, my feelings changed. And I was like, wow, this is what heartbreak feels like. And so I know what that's like. I know nobody, I'm probably the only one in here that's had his heart broken, but that's okay, God's looking out for me. I have an amazing wife, and we just celebrated 20 years of marriage. And so I'm happy about that. Yeah, so um, whether it's churches, campuses, political ideologies, social ideologies, um, maybe on the job maybe there's a family name that you know hey I'm a Thomas I know a guy he says I'm a Thomas that's what he always says I said what does that mean that you're a Thomas he said that my, my family they've been telling me that ever since I was young that I'm a Thomas you're a Thomas Thomas man and I'm like well what does that mean to be a Thomas man and he said you know what I never asked anybody <laughs> they just always told me that you're a Thomas don't you ever forget you're a Thomas okay and I said well, what does it mean to be a Thomas tell, tell me testify say something and he goes I don't know. I just, you know, I I guess I need to ask somebody what it means. And so we have a lot of different reasons. And so, um, but why is it that we do that? So what is identity? I'm just going to give you a very basic definition. You could probably find one a lot better than this. But it's a close similarity or affinity to something so that, what it represents become a part of who you want to represent that's what identity is it's like there's a close unity or similarity Uh, unity means like the state of being joined together with something else to the point where what it represents and what you represent are like the same thing And so, in both cases, whether we're talking about identity or the concept of unity, what we're really talking about is this one word, agreement, right? We're talking about agreement. Now, the Bible says, how is it possible for two people to walk together, to do life together, to be together, unless there's agreement?" right if there's not agreement then they won't be able to stay together for long now you know that because some of you maybe you're very politically oriented and uh, maybe you identify with a certain party and then you know the party started to do things you didn't like anymore and you start to say I don't know if I identify with them anymore maybe I want to be independent or maybe I want to be something else right maybe you're in a relationship and it was like the relationship was going in a certain way you had goals together there was agreement but then over time It's like the person said, Well, um, I just think we want different things now. Has anybody ever had that conversation? And you're like, What? When did we decide we wanted something different? Nobody told me about the decision we made, right? And so, but all of a sudden now there's not agreement anymore. Whereas there was agreement before, and you could walk together. And the Bible says, If there aren't two people who are walking together in agreement, they're going to end up fighting. That's the bottom line. It says they can't stay together. Because the agreement is so important. And so <clears throat> I have many uh, different identities or affiliations, if you will, myself. Uh, there are so many things I, you know, embraced. But I can tell you this. When Jesus was presented to me in a way that I understood, when I understood the fullness of the gospel for, for the first time, I realized God was offering a new affiliation, if you will, to me, a new identity to me. He was saying, there is something that's already been happening that's pre-existed you and all the people you know. And it has been going on, and after you go on from this earth, it'll still be happening. And it's called the kingdom of God. It's called my kingdom, where I rule and reign. And right now, Morgan Bates, right now, you are not a part of that. What? And oh, by the way, it's an eternal kingdom, and it's filled with love, and there's mercy there, and there's forgiveness there, and there's help there. Most, I can't tell you how many people, they just need help. They don't know what to do. Most of the time, we all need help. Hey, what, what's wrong? I don't know. What do you need? I don't know what I need. I just need help. Help with what? I don't know, but I just need help. God offers help. And and it's like all of these things were there, but I realized I was not a part of that. I was not walking with God. I did not know him. I was apart from God. And we'll get to a scripture that talks about that. But God is offering to humanity a whole new affiliation, a new identity, something else to be unified in. So what does it mean that the identi- that Christians have an identity, those who follow Christ? Because that's where we're going. Obviously, if you're, if, you're, if you're a rocket scientist, you already figured that out. But the rest of you, let me just say it plainly. Um, that's where we're going. And um, what does it mean that you have identity in Christ or that we're unified with Christ? Because the Bible talks about that concept. Um, it simply means spiritual union between Christ and his people. Um, in which we give him the place that he deserves and we become more and more like him. And so our identity is changed. All of those things before that we used to have identity in, all of those things are wonderful. They're all great. They're amazing. Most of them are amazing. Some of them are deplorable, right? And you start to learn as you grow along the years, the things you need to be affiliated with and identify with and the things that are probably aren't good for you. But Jesus offers us an opportunity to belong like no other and in Christ we have a new identity so I want to read Ephesians 1 um, 3 through 14 if we have that one thank you somebody who let me borrow your Bible and I love this Bible I'm too old to see the print because I keep doing having to do like this But whoever it is really reads their Bible because it's all marked up and there's lines everywhere. And so I just appreciate a well-used Bible. So anyway, I won't ask whose it is. I'll let you stay humble. But anyway, look at this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ, in Christ. I want you to take note of how many times it says that because we're talking about identity In Christ, being unified with him, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have... In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to all the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed in him, were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? And so in Ephesians, Paul's explaining to this group of believers at Ephesus, God gave you a gift. He gave you something. And it's amazing. But here's the thing. You only get it because you're in him. That's the thing. All of these things we're talking about are already in Christ. He inherited all of them from God for the sake of his obedience. He came to the earth, left glory in eternity, took on an earth suit like us to live an exemplary life, to die a sacrificial death, and to be raised again from the dead by the power of God, so that all who believe in him should also have eternal life. And the good thing about that is now all the things that are in him also belong to us. As believers, when we believe, we have the right, like a legal right, like when you sign a document and maybe you're going to buy a house or something, and then all of a sudden, you know, they say, We don't want you to have access to it until after you sign the mortgage, right? That's pretty frequent. You can't go in, you can't have access to anything until after you sign, until you have formalized the agreement. Then, after you formalize the agreement, then everything on the inside is all yours. You have free access to it. That's what happens when we repent of our sin and put our faith in Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, now we have access to all these great and glorious things that are on the inside of the body of Christ, that, because they're in him, in Jesus. And so what are those things? Well, we were just talking about some of them. Forgiveness of sins. Everybody ever, anybody ever need to be forgiven? I mean, me, like, every day, you know, y'all stop acting like you don't never do anything wrong. I mean, come on. Like, forgiveness of sin. Somebody should shout. Like, stop it. Come on, Chicago. Um, You know, so... Uh, and what else? It says redemption. In other words, to be bought back from some of the things that are destroying us. That's great. That's a beautiful message. Have you ever had life-dominating habits that has been really difficult for you to get rid of? Or let me just say, have you had a friend who had habits that they couldn't get rid of just in case, you know? We want everybody to feel good. So, you know, for the sake of your friend who has habits and you just always walk and say, mm-mm, I don't know what you're going to do about this habit. Do you know that Jesus provides help with those things, redemption, buy you back from the thing you have given control of your life to? Jesus has the ability to break the power of that and to grasp you back from that and to bring you back to himself. And so all of these things we were talking about are what are ours in Christ. And there are so many things that you saw and that you heard when we were reading the Now, the good thing about this is when we come in, in Christ, we have a new identity. All the old things that we used to derive our identity in, all how we see ourselves, you know, the things we like about ourselves, the organizations, the ideologies, all of those things, do they all go away? No, they don't all go away. God made you the way you are for a reason. However, apart from Him, it is certain that we will allow those ideologies and people and other things that are in our lives become like a God to us. We will serve them instead of them serving us. In other, in other words, instead of them having their proper place in our lives, we will begin to think that is all there is. And God says, no, 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 I'm coming along. And some of these things I need to get rid of and deal with, but you've already known that. But some of them, you just need to realize where... The priorities are, you need to make a commitment here, but you don't need to do that because once you cross that line, it's becomes sin. Oh, yeah, well, I thought I had to live that way if I was going to be a part of this organization. No, you don't. You can do it, but you don't have to do that because that part is wrong, right? And so God is able to come and he's able to uh, give definition to things and he's able to help us understand what's good and what's bad or sort out uh, some of the things that make us confused. All of that is a part of what we get in Christ. But being in Christ not only defines who we are, but it also, listen to this, supersedes all these other possible definitions and affiliations. Uh, Gender, culture, nationality, ethnicity, political affiliation. Every label becomes secondary and subservient to our identity in Christ. Why is that? Because every label that you have on this earth is only temporary, right? You're going to be passionate about that as long as you are able. If it's running, you know, I'm a runner. That's what I'm passionate about is running. Okay, well then, run your heart out. But when you get 80 years old, come see me, and I'm going to see about your identity then. What happens? Well, you still love it, but you can't do it anymore. And so your identity as a runner has taken a hit, right? Again, we talk about politics, and when they don't do what you want them to do, your identity in that takes a hit, and you start to wonder. Every other affiliation you have identity in is temporary. It is only in Christ that we come to an identity that supersedes them all because it is eternal, because it has implications beyond what goes on in this life, but on into eternity and the life to come. And so because God says you are a created being, I've created you for good works. We'll get to that in a second. Amazing and wonderful things that you're going to do with your life. It's going to be awesome. And I'm going to show you how. The only thing is you got to let me drive the car. You can't drive anymore. I've been watching you drive. You're on the side of the road in the snowbank. You causing an accident. Look at the pile up because you drive in your life. Look at the string of accidents. When I look in your history, look at what has happened when you were calling the shots in your life. My goodness, you need somebody else to be driving the car. But nobody else was ever good enough. Everybody who gave you advice, everybody who told you what you should do, everybody who did something that was successful, everybody who did, there's always a reason why whatever somebody else is saying doesn't apply to you. Right? How do I know? Because I was like that too. The same way. And God says, I'm gonna shatter your will. You think you have a will of iron, I'm gonna shatter it. And I'm gonna use you for my purposes to go and help people get set free. And I thought, but Lord, what about my money? I've got to get paid. Right? I've been listening to rap songs since I was a young boy. I've got to get paid. That's that's what I know. God says. I'm going to provide for you, and you'll have all you need. But, Lord, what about my love? i got to have relationships. I need all of that, Lord. I've been listening to love songs since I was little. You know, Celine Dion and, you know, Whitney Houston. I mean, I just, what about that? that. God says, I've got all of that in mind. Don't worry. But as for you, you need to take up your cross and follow me. Follow me, and I'm going to lead you into good places. Now, the wonderful thing about walking with God and being in him is that he can change the hard places, the places in our heart. Do you know nobody else can really do that? You may make a temporary adjustment or change for the sake of another person or for the sake of an organization or for the sake of belonging, but all permanent change that happens on the inside of your heart and the way you're wired and your motivations and your encouragements and all of that stuff, all of that stuff happens because God does something different and something new, and he causes us to desire things that we didn't desire before. He causes the things that used to stress us out and make us angry. All of a sudden, those things aren't that important anymore. I mean, even today, God's working on me about so many different things. I, I'll just hear sometimes when I'm praying or thinking or walking. It's like, what are you mad about? Why are you upset? And I'm like, I, because. <laughs> like, Lord, that's a good enough reason. Because there's lots of things, lots of reasons. You don't have any reason to be upset. All you have is to bless people and to encourage them, and to help them. What about this thing that happened? What about that? You're going to forgive, right? And he helps me. So there are so many things that talk about us being in Christ, and I believe uh, we've covered a number of those. Ephesians 2, I want to read this, then I'm going to make three comments, you know, about what it means for us to have our identity in Christ, what difference it specifically makes in our life. But Ephesians 2 Um, one through seven, if we have it. Ah, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Everybody say dead. He says you were dead. You were dead, just following people around. You were dead, dead, dead. You want a picture of yourself? Go watch any movie these days because they're all about zombies. (laughs) Every movie is about zombies. Every video game is about zombies. That was you. You were dead, walking dead, walking dead. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, everybody say, but God, being rich in mercy. I love that. Whenever it says, but God in the Bible, if, if I'm about to fall asleep, if I read a but God, I get, wait a minute, he did something. What did he do? Being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead zombies in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So we were dead, we were going away along a path that everybody else was going down. The Bible paints a picture they were all going off a cliff, following each other one by one to their destruction. It says, but in the midst of that, God came. And he said, no, I'm going to make you alive. I'm going to regenerate you on the inside and make you alive together and do something amazing, seat you with him in heavenly places. I want to talk about that in a second. But what does it mean to be unified with Christ? I'm going to give you three practical things. It means many, many things. But I'm just going to give you three quick ones today. Very practical. You ready? Number one, Jesus becomes my ultimate role model in all things. Okay? He becomes our ultimate role model. Now, we can talk about previous role models in your life, but I don't think we need to talk too much about that, right? I mean, every role model in our lives realizes that they have limitations, if they're honest. Most athletes, if you start talking to them too much about being role models, they're quick to say, no, 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 wait a minute, I'm not a role model, Why are they doing that? Because they don't want you to catch up to their inconsistencies, right? They know it's only a matter of time. Somebody's going to get my phone and see what I've been doing, get my computer and, like, lose an opinion of me. My wife is going to find out something she's not supposed to know, right? I mean, something's going to happen. And so the first thing they say is, no, 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 I'm not a role model. Don't give me that pressure. They don't want that responsibility. Like they want it to an extent, but they don't want too much of it because they realize, wait a minute, there's something like, hey, I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect, right? Exactly. That's the point. None of us are perfect. So why should we put in an elevated place somebody who we know by nature is going to eventually let us down? We honor people for their gifts and their talents and their abilities and their accomplishments. And we look up to them and we're thankful to God for their gift and what they've done and what they've put into it to get to the place that they are. But we always have to remember they're just a person, right? They're just a person. And if you stare at anybody long enough, you're going to discover their inconsistencies. And so that's why people don't usually make the absolute best ultimate role models. Like, you can look at them for a while, but ultimately, I don't think we need to stop when we're looking uh, at people in the idea of role models. They can help guide us in positive ways, but in the end, they're all flawed, Um, just like we are. They can help us get further along in life, but only so far. So Jesus becomes the ultimate role model in all things. He becomes our standard, the one we consult, the one we model our lives after, the one we seek to be like. And so he's the one that we put in a high place, and an elevated position. And the Bible says God redeemed us, and then it says he brought us up, seated us with him in heavenly places. We'll get to that in a second. But when I want to know what to do, when I want to know what to say, when I want to know how to think, how to handle relationships, how to deal with different situations. God has an example for me through Christ Jesus, either in his life or in the scripture that I can actually look to. So now I have put him to that place of role model and consultor, consultant, whatever it is. I'm consulting him instead of calling my best friend and worrying them to death. And then when I can't get, you know, when they get tired, I have two or three other friends on standby. You know, like that's how I was. I was just like, you know, I've got so many friends, like they could not possibly all get tired of me. And they know I'm going to get emotional in a minute. You know, I call with everything. You know, hey, just my mom, you know, she, my mom is, my mom gets emotional, but I can wear her out too. You know, she has the most compassion. She said, are you finished yet? And I said, no, I'm not finished. (laughs) Call me back after dinner, you know, and we just keep going. But he is the one ultimately now I'm trying to seek his opinion. So it's more than just Jesus is with me. Hey, are you down with Christ? Jesus is my homeboy, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's more than that. He's in an elevated position where I say, no, wait a minute. He's actually my role model. He's the one who's lived this life before. He's done things. I want to see what he did when he was in this situation. How did God handle this? How did Jesus come through when he was dealing with religious people? You know, what did the Lord say when people were mean to him? You know, what about when people stole or took stuff? What did he say we should do? You know, how should we act when we're offended? What about when we don't want to forgive? Like, because all of these things, guys, are real life situations that happen every day, but we go somewhere else to try to figure out what to do. And just said, no, no. If he's our ultimate role model, then he has an answer. We can go to him. And he'll show us. He was our ultimate role model. The disciples would say to him when he was on the earth in John 14, say, we want to be like the Father. Jesus, all you need to do is show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, I'm here. That's the point of me coming. Is it so you guys could stop staring off into space wishing for God. I'm here to do everything that he would do if he was here. And so you don't need to look at the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen him because he was a role model. 1 John 2, anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. Ouch, right? Anybody who says, I'm a Christian, I'm in him. Well, then if you say that, then there's a responsibility to live the same way that he did with the same kind of things being important to you. And so that's the first thing. Jesus becomes your ultimate role model. He becomes first in that way if our identity's in him. Then second, his people have to become my people. Okay? His people have to become my people. Do you know that you will ultimately become who you hang out around? I don't know what statistic it was, but I saw it recently where they said, like, every person— Ultimately, ends up becoming like the average of their six friends, their six closest friends around them. You're going to be an average of them at the end of the day. And I was like, "Wow, man, that's that's scandalous!" (laughs) Like, you know, your six closest friends on average—that's what's going to happen to you. Like, so add them up, think, throw them in your head right now. We're doing—I'm Jeopardy's here. While you're thinking, it says, "Ultimately, that is the destiny of humanity, apart from God's help. That's what's going to happen." It's like the six closest people that you hang out around the most. Like, that's what you're going to roughly be like, okay? So I don't know about that. I mean, I, I don't know. Are, are you happy with your decision? I'm not telling you to get rid of any friends. They're all amazing people. I'm just saying that there is another one whose opinion means more, and he can alter you and help you in a greater way. But the problem with a stat like that is everybody thinks they're the exception. You know, oh, yeah, I know it's what's going to happen to other people. That's not going to happen to me. Uh, I'm an exception. I'm not going to be like my six closest friends. Well, gosh, if that were true, then it wouldn't be a statistic. Like, uh, you're an exception. Well, everybody can't be an exception. Otherwise, there would be a new rule, Right. Yeah, that's what generally happens to all of us. It cracks me up because we always think that we control certain dynamics in the way that God has created humanity. We think we can control them, but a lot of times we really can't. Bad company, the Bible says, corrupts good character. But on the other side, good company helps promote good character. And that's a good thing. Now, Rollin was talking about when Pastor Rollin was up here, he was saying how he had an adjustment period in the church. I was the same way. I talked a little bit about that. My adjustment period in the church, they looked different. They acted different. They were whatever different than me. But there was something about it where I felt like, you know what, God is not asking me to be completely like all of these people. He still wants me to be me. Right. He made me to be unique. He made me to be there's I can do things that nobody else can do. And there's other people that can do things that I could never dream of doing. And so God doesn't want to lose that. He did that. That was his work. But there are things about me that he needs me to get from them. Right. They've got some stuff going on in their life that I don't have going on in mine yet. And so when it came to the area of worship or being disciplined to read the Bible or getting together and talking about spiritual things without like losing interest and getting bored and looking at my watch all the time, like all of these sort of things I recognized I needed in my life, but I just didn't know how. God, how do I get all of these promises and amazing things working in my life? And God says, I have an answer for you. It's good news. What is it? You need to go back to those church people. (laughs) It's like, what? that's not the answer I want says yes and over time I realized not only was it a good thing it was the best thing for me because before I met Christ I don't know about you but I was so lonely there was a lot of loneliness going on I probably wouldn't have admitted it I was trying to find my place like everybody else, trying to discover myself, trying to earn respect as an individual. They don't respect me as an individual, you know. And my grandma, of course, she was real honest. She would come along and say, that's because you haven't done anything yet. Stop complaining. You know, I was like, thank you for that. I'll go to counseling now. And she was like, stop complaining. You're nothing like your father. (laughs) He was a real man. (laughs) You know, they say these things. and I'm healed now. Don't worry. I can talk about it. (laughs) This generation of men, I don't know what to say. Oh, they're still saying that now, aren't they? (laughs) But anyway, you know, so I had to be healed. But the point is, I was trying to figure myself out spiritually And why did I feel so alienated in a way? Ephesians 2 just told us because we were separated from God, excluded, strangers, hopeless, alienated, without God. And that's the feeling that I had on the inside. And that's the reason why Jesus came, is to break that feeling of loneliness and to do what? Leave us alone again? Now there's just a new version of you who's still alone? No, to bring us into his body, and that is the church. And God wants us to be a part of the church. And now I'm not embarrassed of the church anymore. I love the church. I think the church is amazing. It's God's place of healing and help and restoration and power. And it is actually God's answer to what's happening out there in the world. Is the church. It's God's people coming in, being rewired, remotivated, understanding what's really important in life, and going back out with their gifts and talents to make an impact in the world where people are hurting and dying. God actually has a powerful solution to all of this stuff that we see every day when we turn the TV on. What's the solution? Do we just wait for President Trump to make another decision? Do we just wait for another summit? Let all the world leaders get together? Is that the answer? No, God has a powerful answer. It is people together of the same mind who are God-motivated, and they have spiritual solutions in mind to go out and deal with the issues in people's hearts. That's God's answer, and it's real, and it's powerful. It's not fluff. Well, man, when I found that out, I was like, okay, I can join that team. I can, be, I can be down with that. I can be a part of something like that. And as we become believers, all of that loneliness, isolated, separated, excluded, it gets replaced by being fellow citizens of God's household, saints, members of his house, precious stones built together in his building. Verse 19 through 22. We have a mission to accomplish together, and that's the church. You are one of many stones that are being fitted together, the Bible says, like a house in the Lord, where our significance does not come anymore from who we are as an individual stone, but it comes from who we are as we are being fitted together with the other stones. That's how it comes. It's an amazing thing. And so it's not just about being an individual anymore. I love that. So let me give you this last point, number three. So what have I said so far is that the first, one of the first things is that, if I can find it, ah, here we go. Jesus becomes my ultimate role model when my identities changed. Secondly, his people have to become my people. And third, I don't need to go back to anyone else to figure out who I am or what I'm supposed to do. Here's the pattern that I've seen in Christianity, people become Christians. They come in, they become saved, they kind of get a little bit of freedom, they start thinking more clearly, and they, instead of staying there where their salvation came, they say, thanks God, I appreciate it, and they go right back out into the world to figure the rest out. And what I want to tell you is that you don't need to go to anybody else to figure out who you are or what you're supposed to be. All of those answers are in the same place your salvation is in, and that's in Christ. It's the same place. The Bible said it there. It says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he planned for us to do before the foundation of the world. We are God's masterpiece, his creation. And so you don't have to go back out there where you're just an appliance Appliances are mass-produced. Masterpieces are handmade. You are God's masterpiece. And so the answer that every other appliance has, there's parts of that that you need to do to be successful, but God has a unique path for you because you are his handiwork. You're his masterpiece. It takes a long time to make a masterpiece. It can take years. I remember going to see the Sistine Chapel for the first time. I love Rome. We travel all over, probably 75 nations or whatever we've been to at this point. And all the cities, Rome's still my favorite city. I haven't been in 13 years. But I remember going, and when I was in the Sistine Chapel, I was just amazed. And I was like trying to talk to some guy there, and he kept telling me to be quiet. (laughs) You know, I was like, oh, so? And he was like, and I was like, can you really just, shh, just make a noise or something? You know, I just wanted him to talk. But he didn't want to talk. And I had to read about everything that was going on. It took years and years and years to make, you know, the last judgment painting or the fresco on the ceiling of creation. And Michelangelo actually went blind, you know, because of what it took physically, how physically demanding and the number of years it took in order to make something like that. There was like effort that really went in, but it was unique. It was a masterpiece. It was handmade. That's you. You're unique. Listen, all the solutions that are good for everybody else, all of those aren't going to work for you. You're unique. Some of them you can incorporate and they'll be good for you in your life. But there's answers you need that you can't get from anywhere else because God is the one who is the creator. He is the one who understands what you are going to look like as a finished product. And because he's the one who knows what that looks like, nobody else can tell you how to get there except him. He's the only one. I love it when the Bible says that I'm alive together in Christ. I love it. My salvation, everything that I have, everything God wants me to be. I don't want to be alone anymore. I'm glad to be a part of the church. I'm saying, Jesus, I want you to be my ultimate role model. And finally, I realize I don't need to go back anywhere else in order to be defined when I realize that God has so much for me here. The Bible says, he raised us up together with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. We were in a low place, a low position. He raised us up so we have a different perspective now. We can see clearly. We can see from a spiritual perspective. What we want to do a lot of times is go back down. And God says, no, don't go back down. Stay up here. The view's better. The perspective is better. You'll understand. If you go back down there in your mind and in your spirit, you're just going to get caught up with the same stuff. What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? There's snow on the sidewalk. Oh, my gosh. When's my next paycheck coming? What am I going to do about the rent? I didn't realize that bill came. On and on and on and on. That's available for everybody. It's available anytime you want it. But he said there's another perspective. I've raised you up so that you can think differently. You can think heavenly thoughts Yeah, yeah, we'll deal with all of that. I'm going to empower you. I have a solution for all of that. But that should dominate what's happening on the inside of you. It shouldn't. You should be fulfilled and feel loved and feel the grace of God and empowered because your identity now is in Christ. I love it that I'm united with him. I love it. It's a good thing. I love that I'm God's project. I love that he's still working on me. I'm not who I'm supposed to be, but what do they always say? Thank God I'm not who I used to be or whatever. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. Thank God I'm not who I'm used to be, but I'm not what I'm supposed to Whatever. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. But it's true. God's still working on all of us. None of us are there yet. Even the Apostle Paul said, I'm still reaching. I'm still grasping. I'm try- still trying to get to whatever the thing is that God laid hold of me for. And he was an apostle. He suffered for the gospel. He was preaching. Many people were getting saved. And so today, <clears throat> I want to encourage you in that, that you are unique. God has unique things in store for you. But your identity is in him. That's where it is. That's where your answers are going to come. Every time you have the thought, man, I need to really get deeper into this thing. Christian, I really need to investigate this more. I think I need to study this more. That is actually a thought from God trying to get you to propel yourself more in this direction where there are more answers for you. Out there, there's options. God has answers. And what do we want more than anything else? We want answers. God, do you want this for me? God, do you want that for me? So many answers right there in the Bible. I was praying about things all the time, and God said, if you just read the Bible more, you know exactly what I want you to do. (laughs) You cut your prayer time in half. What are you praying for? Just read. I've already said it. I took another shortcut. I'm going to go talk to other people. And invariably, uh, people don't have the answers to what I need a lot of times. And they'll say, well, I think it said somewhere in the Bible. I don't remember in the Bible. And I'm like, all right, I get it. I need to go do what I'm supposed to do, which is read, research, study you know figure out the history of the church and of people and what God's activity is and and all of these things listen God has amazing things in store for you you haven't even begun to dream about some of the things that God was doing when he did you you haven't this isn't a Disney fairy tale or some story where some princess is gonna pop out at the end I'm not talking about that God bless all the princesses in the world, but that's not this message. I'm talking about something that is unique, that is God-designed, and something that whispers to you in your mind at night. It is going to come to pass. God's going to do it as we make our identity in him and walk with him. You guys received that today? All right, let's pray. I'm going to ask Pastor Roland to join me. thank you lord for this amazing group of believers and for all the wonderful things that you're doing on the inside of them lord nothing can replace the amazing work that you're doing on the inside of them some of them are already christians some of them are on the verge of becoming christians some have prayed a prayer before but didn't really feel anything some are established christians and they're working on some things that you've given them to do. Some have been Christians for a very long time and they're just soaring and sailing and and, and having a great time. Lord, regardless where everybody's at, I just thank you for this time together over identity. That Lord, you do want to have first place in our life. You want us to humble our hearts to admit when we don't know and to know that you're a good God who gives those kind of answers and help to those in need. And, you know, I just want to pray today for anybody who says I need prayer, the grace of God, you know, to come into my life in a new way. Um, maybe you don't know Jesus or maybe you have prayed a prayer before, or been in church services and just sort of felt like, yeah, this is good, but I don't really know. Um, I want you to know God doesn't want you to be confused and he has answers for you. He's not exclusionary. Bible says this whoever comes to him in no way will he say no to him never that's not him and so I want you to always know that God is there and he's available may not feel the way you want it to feel or seem the way you want it to seem but the Lord is there and so if there's anybody here today and you just say, I want the grace of God to be released in my life in a new way. Maybe you need to become a Christian. Maybe you need to get serious again. Maybe you were serious for a while and then, you know, life happened. And now you really want to get back on track. Uh, if that's anybody here like that, I want you to raise your hand. I'm just going to pray a very, very short prayer for you. And then we'll get back to everything else. Okay, bless you guys. Y'all can keep your hand raised. I see them. Anybody else? All right, Lord, I just pray for the ones who have their hands raised right now that you will visit them, Lord, with your salvation. Lord, visit them with your encouragement. I pray that you would pull them up out of the places that they've been in that have been damaging them and that you would heal them and restore them, Lord. I thank you for their willingness to come here, for their commitment to come today, Lord. And I pray that through Pastor Rowland and some of the other leaders, they'd be be able to get connected for even more specific prayer, Lord, about uh, exact things that are happening. But just commit them to you. Lord, pray over everybody else. Pray your safety, Lord, over us as we travel back and forth where we're going, Lord, and that um, you would continue to help us as we understand you in Jesus' name. Pastor Rollin, bless
0: your man. Awesome. Awesome. Liberating and freedom, right? Isn't that what we have in Jesus? Liberating freedom. And so this is actually what it's about about meeting Jesus and then over the course of time through the community, working out that salvation with great fear and trembling as we honor the King who's actually set us free. And I love how the Bible says very clearly that it's a perfect law, right? It's a perfect law, God's constraints that gets freedom, right? And so when we continue to look into the very things that Pastor Morgan was talking about today, we're able to come into the identity that he actually has for us, not only individually, but as a people. So the point is stick with it, right? Stick with it, keep keep pressing into God with him and with his people. And He'll see, you'll see all that he was talking about today come to pass. So let's go back to this God in worship. Let's um, get before him and honor the Jesus who has died for us, who was raised again, and who came to set us free. And then we'll go out rejoicing. Amen? All right, let's get on up.